Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow and enjoy the episode. Morning, everyone. Do you have a tongue this morning? Have you used your tongue today? Have you used it for good or for evil or both? So if there's anyone who doesn't have a tongue this morning, you're welcome to leave. I'd be nervous if someone got up because then I'd say, oh Lord, I wasn't very sensitive. But the truth is we all have a tongue. Children, anyone under 12, anyone not have a tongue? So it means you all got a tongue? Do you know how to use your tongue? Well, the Bible's going to help us to use it in a way that God wants us to use it. Not often the way we use it, not often the way others use it, be it to us or others, but God has a way that he wants us to use it. Because as Cole has already said, there is incredible power in this muscle called the tongue. In fact, I've been told it's the strongest muscle in the body. Now, I don't know if that's just Google or if that's true, but... Makes, makes sense, huh? You know, huh? You're a farmer. Okay. Dan, Dan says it's true. He did a paper on it once. <laughs> it's a very strong tongue, but as much, a very strong muscle, but as strong as it, as it is a muscle, let me tell you, there is even greater strength in what's released through the tongue and greater power that comes through the tongue. All right. So we're into part five. Of our, of our series in the book of James. Let me just put this phone down. It's weighing me down there. Yeah, okay. Cole's just reminding me she didn't do the announcements. They will come later. Huh? Um, yeah, where was I? Yeah, so book of James. We're into part five of an eight-part series. We're working through it systematically. And so this morning we've got to James chapter three, and we're going to be reading the first 12 verses which, as you've heard, is all about the? There we go. All right. But just for interest, James chapter 3 is not the first time that James has referenced the tongue. And by tongue, I'm talking about the power of our words and all the dangers that may be associated with it. So let's have a look here quickly. In James chapter 1, verse 19, he says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because let me tell you, when we're slow to speak, the chances are we become slow to anger and we don't incite anger on others. Hey? But you know what? When we're quick to speak, man, we get ourselves into trouble, mostly with our words. A bit further on in chapter 1, verse 26, he says, Those who consider themselves religious, maybe we could say righteous, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And their religion, their Christianity is worthless. Can you imagine your Christianity being worthless? Well, according to scripture, our tongue can determine whether it's useful or worthless. Whether it's full of life or full of nothing, emptiness. That's the power of our words. And so James starts, he sets the scene for this. And then we come to James chapter 3. And, um, and we're going to work through these 12 verses. I'm going to pause occasionally, add a few thoughts in it. 
And, uh, and then hopefully through it all, we'll get something of the Father's heart for us this morning. Don't worry too much about the time. Kids, I'm going to do my best to include you. Are you still with me? Has any one of you fallen asleep yet? No? Great. So I'm doing all right, eh? Someone actually prayed in our pre-service prayer meeting for a miracle to take place. And that all would be, all would hear what God has to say to them this morning. Okay. So here we go. Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers. <laughs> my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, why does James, James say that? Well, for the simple reason is that with authority comes influence. And the greater the influence, the greater the accountability. So whoever stands up here on a Sunday, yes, has some influence to a degree. But let me tell you, they need to be accountable with what they say. And accountable first and foremost to God that it's in accordance with his word and the truth of his word, not my, my words or man-made thoughts or philosophies or ideas. Eh? And that's not only from the pulpit, but that's in any forum. There is a responsibility that goes with teaching. All right, but that's not what I'm going to preach on this morning. He says, we all stumble in many ways. <laughs> all being? All. All of us. No exceptions. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, just a reminder, in case you don't know this, none of us are perfect. Or perfect in the sense of perfection, eh? Would you agree? No, Luke's shaking his head. He's saying, no, no, you haven't met me yet. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but that's the truth. None of us are perfect. But hopefully we all on a journey to becoming more holy, righteous, and perfect. And that's the journey, that's the process of sanctification. And here's the amazing thing, our tongues play a big part in that. Whether we propelled into the things of God and into growth and into maturity, or whether we are hindered by our tongues in terms of where God wants to take us. So we talked about the five illustrations that are about to be put up behind us and uh, two positives, three negatives demonstrating the power of the tongue and how it can be used for good as well as for evil. So here we go. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And so two positive examples of how the, how the tongue can steer us and take us where we want to go. Because here's the key, whoever controls the bit in the horse's mouth or the rudder on the ship is the one who determines not only the direction, but also the destination and the final outcomes. And if that's true for a bit and a rudder, it's equally true for a tongue. And the truth is this, is that your tongue can bring incredible life and blessing, be it to people or to situations. 
That's the truth. And I say that because scripture says it. In Proverbs chapter 18 verse 21, it says the tongue has the power of life. The tongue has the power of life. But it doesn't end there, hey? It also says, and it has the power of death. Now we're going to get to the death shortly. But let's start with the life. And so Proverbs particularly are full of principles that we can hold to when it comes to life in the, found in the tongue. And so I just took one of them, Proverbs chapter 15. And listen to this in terms of life. It says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now remember that tomorrow morning at work or at school or at university or on the farm with the cows. Remember that. <laughs> a gentle answer turns away wrath. The tongue, verse 2, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge. Verse 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge. Verse 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. And how good is a timely word? Verse 26, gracious words are pure in his sight, in God's sight. And then I thought I'd throw one more in a bit further on in Proverbs 25, 11. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Isn't that beautiful? So what's my point? Well, more accurately, what's James's point in all of this? Well, very simply this, that there is life in the tongue. And God wants us to use our tongues for good, but also for his glory, eh? Where it's to encourage, to exhort, whether it's to befriend or to bless, whether it's to inspire, whether it's to commend, whether it's to heal, to restore, to forgive. And so we can go on and on and on because all of that encompasses you imparting life to people through your words and through your tongue. And so it's understanding that the tongue has great power to influence the whole of life. Yours and others. And so the secret to godliness, you know, you want to know what it is? Well, it's to use the tongue in a right and a godly way. To build up and not to break down. To bless and not to curse. To bring life, not death, in everything you say and in the way you say it. Eh? That's God's intention. And that's why God has given us a tongue. That was first prize, God's first prize when he created man. That's what your tongue would do. Now, let's look at the three negatives. And they're negatives because there was a thing called the fall. And man got it wrong. Man chose to do things his own way. And so James now gives us three examples, three illustrations of, 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 of how the tongue can be used to destroy and even to bring death to people to situations, to atmospheres, whatever it may be. And so here's the first one. He says the tongue is like a fire. So for you children, you'll see there, there's some pictures of a fire. And a nice warm fire, but also a, a very raging, destructive fire. But let me not run ahead of myself. So he says here, the tongue is like a fire. Consider what a great forest 
is set on fire by a small spark. Amazing, eh? You often see these huge um, infernos, forest fires in America and other places. And when they often get to the root of it, it was someone maybe throwing out a cigarette butt out the car. Or a small spark. They were just lighting a little fire to keep warm or to, to have a barbecue or whatever. And that small spark causes a, a, a huge forest fire that destroys everything. This is what James is saying here. Just consider that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. Woo! Is that my tongue, Lord? A world of evil? Certainly can be. It corrupts the whole body. Not just my mouth. Not just my face. My whole body. And sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell, by the domain of the devil. And so James is saying here that the things we say have the potential to corrupt and to defile and to damage every part of our lives, including our hearts. And so our words can end up being arrows in the hand of Satan. Again, setting our lives and the lives of others on fire. And not just any fire, but a fire from the pit of hell. Do you ever remember the little saying growing up? I certainly remember it. I'm, I'm sure it was a Kiwi saying as well. That sticks and stones will break your bones, but names or words will never harm you. Have you heard that, children? Have you ever heard that? Reject it. Reject it. I want to tell you that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because you know what? I can recover from some bruises from sticks and stones. But sometimes the words that either I've spoken or others have spoken over me have had a much longer and lasting impression than the odd bruise or scratch or cut. That's the power of words. And you know, most sins begin with a word. Think about it. Either spoken outwardly or silently spoken inwardly. That's that spark that sets your whole course and your whole life on fire. So that's the first thing he said or says. Our tongue is like a fire. Secondly, the tongue is like a wild animal doing its own thing, going wherever it wants to go. And he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. Now let me say, taming the tongue in ourselves is a helpless, hopeless cause. All right. Because we've never been called to tame or to control anything on our own be it in our own strength or done in our own power. It's not possible. Why? Because we need the life and the power of God's spirit to do these things. And in fact, Zechariah chapter four, verse six tells us that it's not by might nor by power that you can tame the tongue. Let me add that in. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord, that this is gonna happen. Eh? But of course, that doesn't mean that we're not involved with God. That doesn't mean that we're not exercising things like 
patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control when it comes to our tongue. Yes, we're working with God. Yes, we're in step with the Holy Spirit. But if we think we can do this ourselves, that through our willpower we can control and tame the tongue, James is saying it's impossible. How do I know that? Because I've tried. (laughs) And it's only through the life and the power of God's Spirit that change will come. But change can come, huh? And then the third thing, the third illustration that James uses, when he says the tongue is like poison. And this is what he says. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now the amazing thing is restlessness and poison are actually characteristics of the demonic world. They are. And you know what? That is what is unleashed when we speak evil of others or to others. The demonic world is unleashed through your tongue and my tongue. And so like poison, this is the illustration James uses, it brings death to us rather than life. It brings a restlessness rather than peace. Peace is of God. Restlessness, let me tell you, is demonic. And this is what James is getting at here. And so all three illustrations point to the damaging consequences that careless and thoughtless and malicious talk can have, be it on ourselves or on others. And so we've looked at some proverbs that speak about life in the tongue, but let's throw a few out there that speak about the dangers of the tongue. Proverbs 4 verse 24. It says, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Don't let it get near you. Don't let it get near the doors of your lips. That's what he's saying. Keep it away. Proverbs 6 verse 16. You know, that's the one where it says six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Well, amazing, three of those seven have to do with the tongue. A lying tongue is what is, the Lord hates. A false witness that pours out lies. And the seventh, the one that is most detestable, is a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Conflict or, what's the other word with a D? Division, there's another one, a better word. Dissension, that's the word. That stirs up dissension. How does that happen? Through what we say. Through our words. And not being careful with them, eh? Uh, Proverbs ten nineteen. when words are many, sin is not absent. <laughs> you write that down. Write that down. That's important. Because <laughs> we'd be quicker to speak less. Eh? When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. Uh, Proverbs thirteen three. those who guard their lips preserve their life. But those who speak rashly will come to ruin. And let me just throw one more in here. Psalm 141 verse 3. And I'm putting it in here because it's David's prayer. And I want to say, let it become your prayer. Let it be my prayer. When he says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. He prayed that because he knew how how important that was and how often he could get it wrong. eh? All right. And so, yes, Proverbs is all about principles. Remember that, not promises. And these may be principles to live by. 
But Jesus also gave us some very clear instructions when it comes to the tongue. Eh? Listen to some of these, and then we'll bring it to a close. Matthew 5.22, Jesus speaking, and he says, Anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Anyone who calls someone a fool is derogatory, is in danger. Derogatory with their tongue is in big trouble. Real danger if they don't deal with it. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Everyone, everyone across the board will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty or every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I can't just gloss over that. I can't just ignore that. I can't just say, well, that's interesting. No, actually, that hits me. And it may not be condemned in terms of my salvation. It's it's not if I'm a born-again believer. But I want to tell you there's going to be something I'm going to so miss out on. And an inheritance and a reward because I wasn't careful with my words. Because I just ignored them. I paid no attention to the things I said or how I said it or who I hurt or whatever it is. You know what? I don't want to stand before God one day having to give an account of that and missing out on what could have been both here on earth as well as in glory because I wasn't careful with my words. You hearing me? Yeah? Matthew fifteen eleven, What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. That's what makes them unclean, Jesus says. Man, these are some strong words, eh? Like Jesus is is not pulling any punches here when he talks about the tongue and the power of it. And if he's not pulling punches, and I've got to say it's for a reason, because he knows the devastation that our tongues can have on the one side, but also the incredible blessing and life-giving they can be on the other side. And that's what James is getting at here. Now, James has shown us how powerful, how influential the tongue is. As I said, to do both good and harm. Now behind me are going to come some photos as we look at these differences. And this is what James says. Our tongue needs to become a domestic horse. Taking us where we want to go rather than a wild stallion running in all directions. It needs to be a rudder bringing us safely into harbor and not a wild wind blowing us out to sea. Our tongue needs to be a gentle burning fire giving warmth, not a raging inferno or a forest fire destroying everything in its path. Our tongues need to be medicine that gives life rather than poison that brings death. Which is yours this morning? That's the challenge, eh? And James is going to pains to illustrate these differences. And now that he's saying, now he's saying, it's important that you know that. It's important that you understand this. But now I want you to be consistent in what you've heard. I don't only want you to hear it, I want you to start practicing it now. Be consistent in how we use our tongues. Because this is what he's getting to now. 
Let's keep reading. He says, with the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. Wow, really? Did you praise your father this morning? You did, hey? You used your tongues to do that. (laughs) But oh, I know how easy it is to say things that ultimately bring cursing or curses to people rather than life. And this is what James is saying. We can praise our Lord and Father as we've done this morning and yet with the same tongue we curse human beings. How do we curse people? Well, through things like gossip, slander, backbiting, criticism, negativity, and the list goes on and on and on. We curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but again, you can't just read that too fast. Because man is God's, the pinnacle of God's creation. And in some ways, James is saying, if you curse people, it's like cursing God. Think about that. When you speak evil or bad of someone, you're speaking evil of God. Why? Because that person is made in God's image. And we can't ignore that. We can't forget that. He says, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this is acceptable. This is normal. This is okay. This is what happens. No. He says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. This should not be. If you think it is, you're wrong. If you've accepted that's just how it is in life, that's just how I am, it's wrong. It's not God's best for you. Why do I say that? Why does James say that? Because at the end of the day, it's hypocrisy. It's you and I being grossly inconsistent. We praise, but then we curse. We speak well, and then we speak evil. Brothers, sisters, that should not be. Unless you want to be a hypocrite. Unless you want to live inconsistently as a believer. Is this a bit strong? Because I'm talking to myself. And if you think I'm pointing at you, there's three fingers pointing back at me. That's the reality. This is very real stuff. And so what we are and whose we are should show itself in how we talk. Not so. Because this is what he gets to now when he says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? How would you answer that? No. It's rhetorical, but the answer is a clear no. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruits? Figs. Again, no. Well, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And so how we talk and what we say, can I say, ultimately reveals the state or the condition of our hearts. Yeah? Absolutely. I say that because Jesus said it. When he said, you will know a tree by its fruit. And then use that illustration to go on to say that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 33. And so what comes out from a spring determines what is below the surface. Not so. What grows on a tree shows the nature of the tree. What kind of a tree it is. 
And in the same way, what comes out of the mouths, out of our mouths, show what is going on in our hearts. No matter how deep it is in our hearts, let me tell you, it comes out through our mouths, with our tongues. And this is what Jesus is saying. In fact, let me re- keep reading, Matthew fifteen seventeen to 20. He says, don't you see that whatever goes into the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile the person. And so the point is, what comes out is what is within. And so if our speech is polluted, let me tell you, our hearts are polluted. Because in many ways, the tongue is a thermometer of the heart. Think about that. The tongue is a thermometer of the heart. And so if unwholesome talk comes out of our mouths, as Paul says to the Ephesians, well, let me tell you, our hearts are unwholesome. No matter how loud, no matter how enthusiastically we praised our Lord this morning. Exactly what James says. Because remember, God always looks at the heart. And so there is this jewel outworking as we slowly bring this to a close. I think I've said that twice now, so I'll have one more bringing it to a close and then we'll get to the close. All right. But there is this jewel outworking here. And that is the way to cleanse the heart is to cleanse our talk. And to cleanse our talk so that it is full of grace, seasoned with salt, we need to guard our hearts, the wellspring of life, and we need to do it with all vigilance, eh? with everything we have. Why? Because from it flows the springs of life, Proverbs 4.23. And it's either going to be a freshwater spring or it's going to be a saltwater spring. But it cannot be both. And if it is both, let me tell you, it means you're inconsistent and you're a hypocrite. Ooh, that sounded harsh, eh? But I didn't say it. This is the point James is making. And it's a point I've got to take on board. Now, in closing, is there hope for us? Is there hope for us? Because this seems like a lost cause, eh? When you read all of this. Well, let's get back to what James says. And I'm going to read it from a slightly different translation. When he says, if anyone makes no mistake in talking, that person is perfect and is able to keep the whole body under control. Now, of course, James is not referring to sinless perfection. Because again, no one is sinless this side of eternity. But there is a maturity, there is a perfection that we can strive and we should strive towards. eh? In fact, it's what Paul said to the Colossians in Colossians 1 verse 29. We spoke about how he may present everyone perfect in Christ. Not perfection, but perfect as in fully matured in Christ. And this is what James is saying here. That you will come to maturity if you can use the tongue carefully if you can use it wisely, if you can use it graciously, and if you can use your tongue skillfully, you'll come to maturity. 
And so the extent to which we're able to control our tongues is the extent, the same extent as to how we're able to control the rest of our lives or the rest of our bodies. That's what James is saying here. And of course, we may never truly or really achieve that goal here on earth. But you know what? We can move closer to it. eh? Because even a small measure of control over the tongue, can I say, releases powerful blessings from God. And the blessing gets released through what you say to others. Even a small control brings great breakthroughs and blessings in God. The tongue, eh? Children, the tongue. You've learned something this morning about the tongue? Awesome. Awesome. Now you've got to practice it, eh? Because I think it was Bones who spoke about we can hear, but then we go away and immediately forget. James 1. I think it was you. Let's bow our heads. I think this message this morning demands a response from every one of us. eh? And so I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask three questions this morning that hopefully we can respond to. So let me ask you, the words that you've spoken lately, think about it. Have they built up or have they torn down? Those words, have they imparted life to people or have they brought death? Have they been a blessing or have they been a curse? And if it's built up and if it's imparted life and if it's been a blessing, keep going for it, keep doing it. But if it hasn't, if it's destroyed, broken down, brought death, released curses, and I want to ask you to repent of that this morning between you and God and just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for how I've used my tongue in a negative way. Please forgive me because you are faithful and just to forgive me of this thing, this sin. And you're able to cleanse me. You're able to cleanse my tongue. You're able to cleanse my heart from all unrighteousness. I release this to you now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Father, that you would help me to speak life in the wonderful name of Jesus. Secondly, Do you need to apologize to someone for how you have spoken to them? Not just what you've said to them, but maybe how you've said it to them. Has it been destructive? Has it been undermining? Has it been callous, harsh, cruel? Maybe you need to go and apologize to that person. Because it's one thing to ask God to forgive you. And that's important. But sometimes there's a case where you need to go to that person and say, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for what I said or how I said it. Please forgive me. It's what James further on talks about confessing our sin one to another, that we might be healed. I want to challenge you to do that. And then thirdly, do you need to forgive someone for what they've said to you? The words that they've spoken over you, 
Maybe words that were spoken years and years ago. Maybe you're still living in some of the effects of those words. Well, you know what? This morning you need to forgive. You need to forgive that person, whether you're in contact with them or not, whether you don't see them anymore. Maybe even they've died and passed on. But you need to forgive them so that you can be free. Free of the words and free of the power that those words have carried as you've gone into life. No matter what they've said, no matter how long ago they said it, if it was to harm and if it's something you've carried, you need to forgive them. I encourage you to do that even now. In the name of Jesus.